name is Amelia and I am the River Kids or Children's Program Director here at the River. Today we are going to continue our sermon series called Understanding the Bible Through Jesus with a story of Gideon from the book of Judges. At River Kids, we approach our Bible story like an adventure. The storyteller is like a guide to take the children to wander and explore the story and the characters together. The purpose is not to impart a lesson or give answers, but rather to experience, to connect, to reflect, and to leave an impression. Our hope is that as the children grow up, they will continue to make connections with God and discover life together with Him or Her. The book of Judges contains uh, the part of history in which the Israelites were trapped in a series of cycles, seemingly moving in a downward spiral. Instead of becoming the holy people after they arrived at the promised land, the Israelites adopted the ways of the Canaanites and did terrible things. They were conquered and oppressed by their enemies. Eventually, they would see the error of their ways and repent. God then raised up a judge or a leader who would bring up an era of peace on the land. But eventually, the Israelites would sin again and the cycle continued. Gideon is one of those judges or leaders that got raised up among his people. Growing up, I heard the story of Gideon many times. Gideon was perceived as a coward, uh, that he was weak and unlikely to lead. It was not until God called him out and transformed him that he became noteworthy. There seems to be a common narrative that because of Gideon's obedience and through his weakness, God was glorified. Now, I do believe that God could transform people and he is in the business of transformation. It is impossible not to be changed when you have interacted with the Creator. However, I have a hard time with the narrative of a God who seeks his own exaltation, especially at the cost of suffering of a whole nation. This just feels contradictory with Jesus. Also, that God needed someone particularly weak for this purpose. So now, as an adult, looking back into the story of Gideon, I wonder if there's another way of reading this story. So let's read the passages and wonder together. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. This is the time when the Israelites were oppressed under their cruel enemies, the Midianites. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites would attack them, take all their livestock, and destroy their crops. 
They would camp in the land until it was stripped bare and reduced the Israelites to starvation. Now, thrashing wheat is the process of loosening the edible part of grain from the straw. And this is usually done under a large stone above the ground. The wine press is a hole in the ground. So Gideon was hiding. But to be afraid of the Midianites and what they could do does not make you a coward. Keep in mind that Gideon needed to keep providing for his family. Our society has been accustomed to expect a leader to stand out, kind of showy or on display. Being flexible or resourceful, which could character characterize Gideon here, are rarely seen as heroic or warrior-like. When I think about being flexible and resourceful, I tend to think more of women. In particular, it reminds me of my great aunt, Sako. She was born in Indonesia in the 1930s, so she lived through a period of hard times. The Dutch colonization, the Japanese invasion, the Second World War, and inflation. Sako was married in her late teens, but her husband died not long after. She did not have children and never remarried. She also never went to school, even a day in her life. But she knew how to make salted eggs and fermented cabbage. And she sold them. And that's how she supported herself financially until she was in her 80s. For someone who could not read or write and barely accepted any kind of assistance, she managed to build herself a life in a big city. Now, she's not your typical role model with Instagram accounts these days, but I consider her resiliency and resourcefulness to be warrior-like. So, what if God actually did mean what he said when he called Gideon a mighty hero? What if instead of being prophetic, God was being insightful or observant? Maybe Gideon was not selected because of his lack, but because of what he has. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then, carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel, who was under the great tree. Gideon did not behave like our typical hero or warrior, right? He did not project confidence. In fact, he questioned a lot. 
and was very self-aware. Gideon was also perceptive that his doubts and questioning may potentially annoy the angel. So he intuitively decided to make an offering. A young goat, a basket of freshly baked bread, and a pot of homemade broth? Hmm, who could resist? Even now, we know that food and drinks are great tools to smoothen any social interactions. Perceptive, intuitive, and nurturing. This part of the story again reminds me of another woman in my life. My mom deeply feels that she's not good with people and with words. But she has her ways with food. Whenever she knows that me or my sister would be coming home, she would go out of her way to make sure that she has our favorite food at home. My mom comforts with food, thanks people with food, even apologizes with food. For the longest time, it was hard for me to understand this because sometimes you do just want to hear the words. However, as I'm working through the barriers in my own mind and my heart, reassessing my expectations of my mom, I am slowly understanding her language and embracing her gestures. And this improves our relationship. It is possible that Gideon was speaking in a different language, a language that is foreign and unappreciated in the times of war and battles. His way of handling things was not compatible with the more masculine world of the ancient times, or ours for that matter. But for us Christian, could we develop the eyes to see the strengths, where the society sees only weakness? Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please, don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. For some, negotiating, asking questions, may make them feel insecure. For Gideon, this is the way he processes and makes his decision. Gideon may be afraid of the Midianites, but he is not afraid to be vulnerable, to look silly, or be proven wrong. Asking questions when you think you may be lost or unsure about something requires a different kind of courage. 
And as Gideon was pushing into God, we can see that God, God was not intimidated. God is gracious, patient, and very accommodating. God gives room for him to process and negotiate, even satisfies his requests. This interaction between God and Gideon give us so much insight about God and his character. Maybe even more than a victory in a battle can do. The pandemic has brought on so much uncertainty in our lives, globally, nationally, even in familial and personal contexts. For many of us, the pandemic has forced us to recalibrate and rethink the many different ways we do things in life. Have we been working too much? Was side to obsess with success and goals? Have I been missing out on truly connecting with people? Am I taking my family and my friends for granted? There are many ways we deal with uncertainty. Some people go on to make better plans, maybe more aggressive or detailed, as a way of minimizing risks or controlling more of their situations. For some, uncertainty brings so much anxiety that they need a lot of space just to be with themselves. Sometimes disconnected from people. There are also others who embrace uncertainty by asking a lot of questions, engaging God just like Gideon. And this is one of my practical suggestions for today. Ask questions, engage God, negotiate, and work with Him. Even if you're not sure that God is there or how God would or would not respond to you, engage God anyway. In the later story of Gideon, we can see that great things happen not because Gideon was exceptionally confident or made a perfect plan, Gideon was defying the odds because he embraced uncertainty with God. And I think we can be surprised with what will be revealed to us even in the experience of connecting and interacting with God. My second practical suggestion is restore femininity into our lives. Our society puts a lot of emphasis on values such as money, success, assertiveness, and competition. These masculine values have dominated so much of our culture, especially here in America. Values such as relationship, care for others, being humble and cooperative, which are associated with femininity, are often seen as weak and minor. As a nation, we have spent a lot of money on things that make us look strong, powerful, give us more control over other countries or regions. But we have been rather neglectful on matters such as healthcare, education, care for the children, elderly, and veterans. We can be dismissive, even demeaning towards those who need assistance and refuge. 
So restoring femininity here is not about gender, it is about a response to a culture that has placed too much emphasis on things that build the ego or status and not enough on relationships. Restoring femininity is about bringing back humility, intuition, flexibility, creativity, tenderness, and kindness in various aspects of our lives. It is hard to follow Jesus or to be like Jesus without including these values. It is impossible to practice unconditional love when we are afraid to look vulnerable or feminine. Finding the appropriate balance of masculinity and femininity will allow us the full experience of being alive and being truly connected in our relationship with God and with each other. We talk a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit to break barriers between people, races, religions, gender, social economic backgrounds, etc. But we often forget that the Holy Spirit breaks barriers inside us too. The Holy Spirit can challenge and transform the ways we have been thinking and doing things. The Holy Spirit can help us embrace the unusual, the uncomfortable, and the uncertainty in our lives. So today, I would like to leave you with some questions that may help us with this process. Instead of asserting myself, how can I be more perceptive of others? Should I speak less and listen more? Instead of being defensive, I wonder if this is the time to practice humility. I work effectively and quickly by myself, but what could I be missing out here? Could others offer what I could not even see? As always, I would love to continue this topic and chatting with you, so please feel free to join me in the discussion room. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Happy Sunday.